0: Good morning, Crosspoint. Let me add my word of welcome. My name is Bruce Rokas and I'm one of the preaching and teaching pastors here. Uh, met some new friends this morning, return friends this morning. I'm um, hoping we have a hundred upward families tonight and feed them all tacos. And wouldn't that be great? That would be awesome. And, and if we have to run the Taco Bell and order more, we will, right? That would be awesome. We've been in a series, uh, a 10-week series that's really about to wrap up soon. Today is week 9, next week is week 10, and then we're going to go on to some other things. Uh, but it's 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 called Ten Values That Build Strong Families. And basically what we're doing is we're going through the Ten Commandments. Today we're talking about telling the truth. We're looking at the Ninth Commandment. But before we do that, let's quickly run through the first eight again. The first one you'll see is a red ribbon with a one in it. That means there's one God in His first place in our lives. Number two, don't bow down to idols. Number three, don't use the Lord's name in vain. Number four... Take one day off a week, rest your body, and think about God. Okay, that's the fourth commandment, basically. Number five, honor your father and mother. Number six, don't murder. Number seven, don't commit adultery. Last week, we looked at number eight. You see the thief up there? If you turn your head like that, you'll see that mask that the thief is wearing. Looks like an eight. Don't steal. Now, today, we're going to look at a lion nine. Look at that nine. See, it's kind of lying down. Don't do that. Don't lie. Don't tell lies. So when you think of that nine, it's a lying nine, you'll know what the ninth commandment is. Exodus 20 verse 16 puts it like this. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. Don't do it. And, and not just your neighbor, but your employer, your teacher, your spouse don't tell lies. They did a survey uh, of, um, here in America that said 66% of Americans say it's not wrong to tell lies. Whoa! I go, since when? I got paddled as a little boy. The, the, the most discipline we ever received as children growing up in the Roka's house is when we told a lie and got caught in it. Now there's some lies we got away with. Eh, not really. You don't break God's commandments. They end up breaking you in the long run. Parents may not have known, but God knew, and I knew, and there is always a price to pay. But one of the reasons we were disciplined so severely for lying, and listen to me, young people. When you lie to your parents, and they believe you, and you get away with it, well, then they they can't help you. It's kind of like going to the doctor and you got a pain in your side and and your appendix is about to break, but you don't want to go to the doctor and you don't want to hear the bad news and the, the doctor pushes and says, does it hurt there? And you say, oh, no, 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 doc, it feels great, it feels fine. You lie to your doctor and your appendix explodes, you're in trouble, right? Well, the same is true when we lie to others. You know what I think we sometimes do, and Keith kind of pointed this out, in in communion today, we treat sin as a trifle, and not as a tragedy that it really is. You know, and sometimes you need a graphic illustration (laughs) to see what a mess you made on the mirror, where you have to stick, you know, a wand in a toilet to wipe it off. It's ugly. It's messy. Well, we see it as a fun prank, and we say, well, everybody lies, right? Right? You ask somebody, you say, you ever told a lie?" Well, yes. What does that make you? Uh, Human. No, it doesn't. It makes you a liar. (laughs) If I constantly lied to you, you'd call me a liar. You wouldn't call me human. We treat sin as a trifle, especially when it comes to the ninth commandment. We don't take it nearly as seriously as God does. In that same survey, it said only 31%... Uh, agree with this statement. Honesty is the best policy. Man, when we grew up, that was kind of like a motto, wasn't it? Honesty is the best policy. I mean, that was just the standard of the day, but how far the standard has dropped in just one generation. God forbid. We need to lift the standard high. It's still just as valid today as when God wrote this commandment in, uh, on Mount Sinai on stone. Dr. Leonard Keeler. You know you recognize that name? No, I didn't either. He's the inventor of the lie detector. He's the guy that created this machine, and he tested some 25,000 people during the course of his uh, tenure. And, and here's what he writes about that: Human beings are basically deceptive. We're a bunch of liars. Is what his conclusion is. And so, if the world says it's okay, sin's a trifle, how is the Christian world supposed to respond to that? How do we live honestly in a dishonest world? In other words, how do I tell the truth? That's where I want to begin this morning. How to tell the truth. So, God says there's four things about telling the truth that you need to know. How do you tell the truth? You tell the truth, number one, completely. Number two, consistently. Number three, lovingly. And number four, tactfully. You tell the truth completely. Let's start with that one, okay? Start with the first one first. My mama used to say, sounds like a Forrest Gump movie, doesn't it? Bruce, a half a truth is a whole lie. And what was she saying? She was saying, Bruce, you're holding something back. You're concealing something. Suppose you went to buy a car from somebody. And you say, well, how does this car run? How does this engine run? And and the person selling the car says, it runs great. But in their mind, they're leaving something out after it's warmed up. And they've just warmed it up for your test drive. And it does run great, and you buy it. And the next day, when you go to start it, it takes 15 minutes for that thing to warm up and run great. And you're going, whoa, what's the deal here? And they call you on it, and you say, well, it does run great after it's warmed up. You didn't ask about that. You just ask how it runs. Or maybe the air conditioner doesn't work. And you go, hey, why didn't you tell me about the air conditioner? I asked how the, how, how the car ran. Yeah, but you didn't say anything about the air conditioner. You were concealing. You were holding back half Truths are whole lies. Proverbs chapter ten and verse ten says, "Someone who holds back the truth—that just means concealing—causes trouble. What kind of trouble? Just trouble in general. Trouble with your employer. You you conceal the truth with your employer and see how long you're going to be employed. Maybe with a, a school teacher, with a spouse, with a neighbor. Couples." who hold back the truth and sweep things under the carpet are headed for trouble. When I was, I'm thinking 10, 11, I was racking my brain going, I don't know how old I was, but I know I was a little boy and I didn't like to sweep out the garage and it was a hot summer day and my dad gave me that task. And so I'm sweeping out the garage, you know, the dustpan, sweep a pile and pick it up, put it in the bucket, sweep another pile, pick my, I'm moving my way toward the house and there's this one little area where we have steps that lead into the house from the garage. And there was some dust around that, and I was hot, and I was sweaty, and I was done. And at the bottom of our steps, we had a throw rug. And I swept that stuff around the the steps under the carpet. (laughs) Big mistake. About that time, my dad comes out, and my dad says, Hey, how's it looking out here? Hey, it's looking pretty good. It looks like you did a good job. And he walked down the steps and stepped on a very unfamiliar sensation. This big lump in that carpet. And man, did I get into trouble. And in our marriages, what do we do a lot of times? We sweep messes under the carpet and we don't deal with it. And there you are sitting in the living room of your house I'm not talking about literal dirt and dust, but there's a big old mound under that rug that needs to be dealt with. And people are just concealing and covering up. Look up here at the screen. When you hold back, you get into trouble. But it says, next next verse, but in the end, in other words, when you tell the truth, when you don't cover up, when you don't conceal, when you lay it out there in the right proper way, in the end, people appreciate frankness, in other words, honesty, more than flattery, just covering up. Not at first, but in the end. It may be unpleasant at first. If an, appro- if an employer has to get after you for goofing around on the job or maybe being late to work, you may have to go through some reprimand. And if it doesn't, you know, it may lend to being fired and losing your job. And you may not appreciate that, but if that helps you change your character and get your life on straight, well, in the end, that is, in the long run, a benefit. So number one, tell the truth completely. Number two, how do we tell the truth? Tell the truth consistently. Consistently. Being honest 80% of the time is not integrity. 80% 80% of the time doesn't cut it. That's like that boy that cried wolf, right? You know? You know he, he Wolf, wolf, and there wasn't a wolf. But then, when there really was a wolf, that 20%, when he's telling the truth, nobody takes him serious. Nobody believes him. Because he's built up a reputation that's not consistent with telling the truth. Honesty is a lifestyle. Proverbs 11.3 says, People who can't be trusted are destroyed by their own dishonesty. If you're a person with a bad reputation, you're you're destroyed. Lying destroys relationships. You know, every relationship is built upon one word. That word is trust. And when the trust is destroyed, so is the relationship. It's very important to maintain trust. That's why the proverb writer will say, In Proverbs 13, 7, reliable communication, in other words, honest communication, permits progress. And so when a couple's been dealing with a problem for a long, long time and there's no progress, it's because someone's not being honest in the relationship. But when you're truthful and you hang in there, you're committed to the relationship, you can make progress. You want to keep your marriage out of court? Tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So help you God. Amen? That makes sense? And that's all the Bible's saying. Just be honest. But let me add this word of warning. You don't have to be brutally honest. There's a difference between being honest and brutally honest. Which leads to my third point. Tell the truth lovingly. Completely, consistently, and lovingly. Ephesians 4.15 Speak the truth in a spirit of what? Love. Now that can be appreciated, but when you do it, when you use the truth like a club, and you beat somebody over the head with the truth, and there's no love with it, that's the brutality that the Bible says, that is not going to work. And yet, if you call somebody, you say, you're a liar, and you just beat someone over the head with those words, and there's no, but it's the truth, isn't it? And you, bat, and you try to justify what you said because you're telling the truth, and you may be, but I tell you what, it's not going to lead to any progress. You're going to hurt that person's feelings, and, and you're going to feel bad about it later, and you're going to have to you know, do some picking up glass, as Arnold likes to say, and mend the relationship, and get things back on target. And so, tell the truth lovingly. And so, what I want you to do right now, just for a moment is think of someone, somebody, you would like to help change. Now, don't look at them. Just think of them and look up here at the screen. Remember two things. People change faster when you speak the truth in a spirit of love. they got to feel you care. And number two, watch this. People perceive truth without love as an attack. You are a liar. It may be true, but it's not spoken in love, and they feel attacked, and there's not going to be any progress. There's not going to be any change with that kind of a spirit. There's an old era prover- proverb that goes like this When you shoot an arrow, make sure you always dip it in honey first. It's an art. It's not easily done. But we all need some changing. We all mess up. But you know what? It doesn't hurt nearly as bad when we speak the truth in love with a little bit of honey on it. And then number four, tell the truth tactfully. That means there's got to be a right place, right time, right way. You know, if I tell this person the truth right now, are they psychologically at a place in their life where they can emotionally handle what I'm about to lay on them? And if they're going through a bad time, maybe emotionally, maybe physically, they're just following surgery or, or they lost their job, maybe that's not the best time to speak the truth and love to them. So do it tactfully. Don't do it uh, at midnight right before you're going to bed. That's a real bad idea. Years ago, I mean like a million years ago, this is like B.C. years ago before Corey. Jane, and I lived on Moho Lane, that's how far back in my mind it goes. We got in a fight late at night, I couldn't tell you what it was about today, but I remember 12 o'clock turned into 1 o'clock, and I don't know where we started, but we were going all over the place, and 1 o'clock's about to turn to 2 o'clock, and now we're just saying stupid stuff, you know, I mean, you ever do that, when your husband's wives probably never fight, but at our house, uh, names, and you know, into windows, and you know, it was just getting really bad. And in the back of my mind, I'm going, man, I just want this thing to end, but I know that the Bible says, Maurice Hall used to tell me, Bruce, don't ever go to bed mad. And he gave me a Bible passage. Don't let the sun go down upon your house. So I'm like going, I'm to obey the Bible, but, man, I'm tired, and we're just not making any progress. And this is getting really bad, stupid. So I said, honey, the Bible says we're not to go to bed mad, so we're going to stop right now, but we're going to pick up in the morning. I get over here. And I gave her a little kiss on the cheek, as I recall. And we went to bed that night and got a good night's sleep. We were exhausted. And the next morning we got up, I remember looking at her. And, and I said, what were we fighting about last night? She goes, I don't know. And, and we really didn't. I know it started over here with probably something dumb and minor and it ended up way over here in a terrible way. But we weren't very tactful about it. So, watch the timing of telling the truth. Proverbs chapter 12 and verse 18 says, Thoughtless words can wound as deeply as any sword, but wisely spoken words can heal. So, what do you want to do in your relationships? Do you want to wound or do you want to heal? Do you want to have a karate tongue and win the argument? Or do you want to bring progress to the relationship? The Bible would suggest you better go with progress. Because when you're tired, when you're exhausted, when you start using hurtful words, there is no progress. Remember that old statement we heard when we were kids sticks and stones may break your bones, but words can never hurt you. I know the sentiment of that. We're trying to, I guess we don't get a physical wound, but you know what? An emotional wound can hurt even more deeply than a physical wound. We need to learn to make a point without making an enemy. And I admit, it is an art. It takes talent to do this. Proverbs 16.23 says this. This is from the wisest man that ever lived. Intelligent people think, that is, they use their minds, before they speak in other words put your mind in gear before you put your mouth in gear that's what he's saying there put those two things together you know what it takes to create a, or keep an argument going create an argument keep an argument going you need two things you need speed and man when somebody says something to you what do you want to do quickly say something back well you and we're not really listening to what's coming our way are we because what are we already doing? How do I know we're not really listening? Because we're thinking of the counterpunch. We're thinking of the comeback for what just came our way. And heat. What's heat? Anger. You, if, you, if you can just slow the argument down and take it down a notch. Normally we raise our voices. No, slow it down and lower your voice. Think before you speak. And you'll be intelligent. I don't know about you, but I haven't always been intelligent. So, that's how we tell the truth. We tell it completely, consistently, lovingly, and tactfully. Now let's move into another area. What kind of lies do we tell? And, and why do we lie? Mark Twain said there's something like 869 different kind of, kinds of lies. Read that on the internet this past week. I don't have a clue what he was talking about. We're going to talk about five different kinds of lies this morning. Five types of lies and then the motive that goes along with that. Number one, there is the cruel lie. The cruel lie. This is the kind of lie that we tell when we want to intentionally and maliciously hurt someone. This This is destructive kind of lies. This is revenge kind of lies. Someone's hurt you and you're mad at them and so you're going to Make up a lie about them. The media does this kind of thing all the time. Politicians do this kind of thing all the time. Can you say fake news? (laughs) I mean, uh, recently a newspaper put out this story, front page, somebody well-known did something really, really bad to somebody not so well-known a long, long time ago. uh, Anonymous sources say. But what they leave out is, the person this bad thing was supposed to have happened to says, never happened. (laughs) I don't know what you're talking about. And then the paper had to do kind of a retraction, but they don't put it on the front page. They put it buried deep on page 15 where you never see it in small print. Malicious. Destructive. Destructive hatred. You know, the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees did this to Jesus all the time. They called him a drunkard and a wine-bibber. Now you've got to remember, Jesus Christ is who? He is God with us. He is Emmanuel, God with us. He is God in the flesh. God cannot sin. Jesus is perfect. He has never committed not even one single sin and the Pharisees were sending out spies to kind of check up on Jesus, to try to catch Him in a trap, to try to see where He has flubbed up. I think that's one of the proofs that Jesus was indeed the Son of God. He got 12 men to follow Him for three plus years. And have you ever noticed the closer you get to somebody, even if you admire them, even if they're a friend, the closer you get and the longer you hang out with them, the more flaws you begin to see. The little chinks in the armor begin to come out because you get to know them a little. You may accept them or whatever, but the weird thing is, the more the twelve hung out with Jesus, the better He looked to them. Not one single sin. And so, imagine trying to be a Pharisee and write for the Jerusalem Post a headline, Something Bad About Jesus. And the worst thing they can think of is this. That Jesus, he's really bad. You know why? He hangs out with sinners. Ooh. I don't know about you, but I'm glad Jesus hangs out with sinners because I am one. Jesus did not take part in the sin, but he loves sinners and tried to let them see they can become a better self. Try to see That they could become like Him if they followed His ways. He loved sinners. The screen, look up here, shows the motive. Jealousy, revenge, hurt, anger, hatred, resentment. The Pharisees resented Jesus having so many followers. He could teach better than them. Remember the end of the Sermon on the Mount, what it says... He taught them as, as they were amazed at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority, not like the scribes and the Pharisees. Not like them. And they hated him for it. So there's the cruel lie. Number two, there's a cowardly lie. This is the kind of lie you tell when you're trying to escape consequences of something. When you're trying to avoid punishment. Have you ever, when you were a little kid, had to turn in your homework assignment and, and, and you said... The dog ate it. The dog didn't eat it. You just didn't do it. That's this kind of a lie. It's the kind of lie that Adam told when he took it like a man in the Garden of Eden and, and he blamed his wife. It's the woman, Lord. Remember, they were hiding. God came looking for him, and Adam was hiding. And God said, Adam, where are you? God knows exactly where he is, but uh, here I am. Okay, you caught me. Why were you hiding? I was afraid. You know, he he's afraid. Fear is a strong motive to lie. And and if you stop and think about it, I don't think Eve's nearly as afraid as Adam is because who did God give the commandment to about leaving the tree alone? Adam or Eve? Adam. He told Adam. Adam told Eve. He got it firsthand from God. She got it secondhand from her husband. She was deceived, he did it, eyes wide open. That's worse. And so he's blaming her, he just wants to get himself off the hook. That's this kind of a lie. But you know what? Lying has consequences. And disobedience has consequences. In this case, it cost them their home. They're now toiling for their food rather than tending for their food in the garden. Ten just sort of means pick and eat. Toil means plant, water, till, until it grows, then eat. See the difference? Major difference. There are consequences to the cowardly lie. And then thirdly, the conceited lie. This is the lie to impress. Bragging and lying are first cousins. You ever name drop? You ever act like you know someone or know something or, you know, are a little bit conceited? The motive here on this one is really is insecurity. What often comes out in pride and ego on people, you think, oh, they're such a prideful person. That, they have such big egos. Really behind the scenes, if you look a little bit deeper, is really a very insecure person. And then there's the calculated lie. I mean, this is... Uh, The person contemplates, sizes you up, and then moves in to manipulate another person to get something that they want. And the motive here really is greed and selfishness. Con men use this all the time. This is the kind of lie that con men use. You ever watch that program, American Greed? Does anyone know what I'm talking about? Last time I mentioned that, I thought some of you might want to watch that. Okay, oh, yeah, I see that. I see your hand over there. These guys are really, men and women, it goes gender neutral, are very brilliant. And if you stop and think of the time and the trouble that they put in to manipulate and con you, if they used even 10% of that ability to make an honest living, they would be filthy rich. But they don't want to do that. That's not in their nature. And so they manipulate and calculate and lie with greed and selfishness as the motive. And then we'll close with this one, the convenient lie. I think most people tell the convenient lie. And we treat it like a trifle, but it's still a tragedy. It still costs Jesus dying for this kind of lie on the cross like any other sin we commit. We tell the convenient lie when it takes effort to tell the truth. Do your kids ever ask you to explain something, but you're just too tired or don't want to take the time to explain it, so you just make something up? You can get away with that with a four-year-old. Not that I've ever done that. Oh, do I have a four-year-old? I don't know that I've ever done that, but I bet you could. Have you ever been at the scene of a traffic accident? And you saw the whole thing. And you could could give a statement. You could say who was, in your opinion, right and who was wrong. And a police officer come up to you and say, Sir, did you see this accident? Uh, But you don't want to take the time or the trouble to get involved. you say, No. What is that? That's the convenient lie. Ah, it's never happened to me. Have you ever received an invitation to go do something with somebody, but you really didn't want to do it, and so you make up something? Ooh, are we getting closer to home? Oh, I, I can't do that on Thursday night with you. I, I mean, at 8 o'clock, I, I got jury duty. You know, that, that won't work. <laughs> the convenient lie is a lie that we trifle with. The motive really is laziness. Now let me close with one question, and then we're gonna to look to Jesus. We're almost done, so I let's just go ahead and have the praise team come on up at this time. Here's the question while they're coming up. How many lies does it take to be a liar? Just one. How many murders does it take to be a murderer? Just one. Do you see why we need a savior? We're all messed up. We've all, we're all flawed. We all are hurting. We're all in need of Jesus. So what's the solution? The only way to stop lying is to become a person of integrity. Look up here at the screen. I think I've written this out. Become a person of integrity. Here's the solution. By getting a new heart. Okay, how do I get a new heart? Did you know that Jesus Christ specializes in new hearts? Oh, don't you love that? Jesus Christ specializes in giving us new hearts. See, we can't do this on our own. We need a Savior. Jesus said, I am the truth. And the closer we get to Jesus, the closer we love and appreciate the truth. Amen. Amen. Let's have a prayer. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for this series. Uh, thank you for commandment number nine. Even though our world, we live in a world, and oftentimes Christian, Christians even take this ninth commandment uh, not as seriously as we should, we, we realize that it is indeed a tragedy and not the trifle that we sometimes try to make it. Father, we uh, want to stop lying. We want to start living with integrity. And um, we're going to need your help to make that happen because we can't do it on our own. And really the beginning of honesty is the confession of dishonesty. And so if you would open your heart to God right now and just talk to Him in your mind, you can say something like this. God, I too am a liar. I have lied. I admit it. I don't always tell the truth. I sometimes even tell half-truths. Father, forgive me and give me the power to change. I can't do this on my own. Lord, help me to begin speaking the truth to people today, this very week. Help me to be consistent with it. And then help me to do it in a loving and tactful way with others that need help in this area. Father, give me a new heart. I surrender my heart to You. In the name of Jesus Christ, Amen.